everybody, you're listening to the Ride Life Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk all about mountain biking for the ladies, more specifically about your health, how to ride better, and be stronger. I'm your host, Liz. I'm an active mountain biker and doctor of physical therapy. I'm also owner of the Ride Life. It's a small company providing online fitness for women mountain bikers. Let's get into today's episode. Now, before we get started, I want to let you know about our free Facebook group, Mountain Biking Ladies. It's where I do a live training each week, breaking things down you didn't know about mountain biking and your health. It's where you can ask questions to me personally, and I'll give you personalized feedback. So if that interests you, join the group, and let's dive into today's episode. I'm live here with Angie Weston from Radical Roots Mountain Biking, and I'm so stoked. We had some technical issues, but we're on it. We're here. Angie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we hop right into some of the questions? Yeah, sure. So, um, hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And uh, big thanks to Liz for inviting me on here to speak with y'all today. I'm super excited. And uh, Liz, I love the work that you do. I love the group, all the stuff you put out there, all the community you're building. It just, I know we haven't met in person yet, but I can tell girl, you and my tribe. Yes, <laughs> You get it. You get it. Um, yeah. So anyways, Hey, I'm Angie Weston, uh, owner and head coach for Radical Roots Town Bike Instruction. We're based in Bellingham, Washington. So the upper Northwest corner of the country, pretty far from where uh, Liz is down there. <laughs> um, yeah. I've been a professional mountain bike coach since about 2000, well, I started coaching in like 2003. I didn't really know what I was doing. And then I became, <laughs> I would say, I got my, I got my level three cert um, in 2010. And I would say I became a lot more professional after that. <laughs> um, but uh, for a long time, I mean, like a decade coaching was always just kind of my side hustle to my full-time job as a sales rep in the bike industry. And um, eventually just kind of got to a point where I was having to turn down coaching gigs because I couldn't squeeze in enough. Uh, you know, I, I just was getting overwhelmed with how much I had to do with a full-time job and all the events I was getting asked to coach at and all the private lesson requests I was getting. And this was like no business, no marketing, nothing, just word of mouth um, recommendations. You were so good. <laughs> uh, I just love it so much, so, so much. So. In August of 2017, I quit my job, and by February of 2018, yes, it felt so good. Uh, it was terrifying, but awesome. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, and in uh, early 2018, I launched Radical Roots, and it's funny because even through launching it and planning the business and doing all that, I was in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I'm going to have a part-time job to bring in income while I do this, um, build this business up, but no, I mean, pretty much for the second the doors opened, it's been like full throttle. It's my full-time gig running the biz and coaching. And I'm now hiring people to help me as like 18 or so contractors that work with me throughout the year. And it's awesome. That so basically, I'm living my dream. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> that's, that's spectacular. I love it. I love it. We just... Side note, stepping out and starting your own business. I've done it before and it is so hard and it's so, it's so fearful whenever you're first doing it. I was like you, I thought I need a side hustle for something else whenever I started it. And I was like, screw it. I'm doing it. <laughs> We're just going. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know about you, Liz. Were you a mountain biker when you made that leap? Mm-hmm. I was. Mine was first starting my PT business. And I know this is like side note from everything else that we're going to talk about today, but PT business for whitewater kayakers and mountain bikers. That's where I first dove head off into. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know about you, but I definitely attribute a lot of the lessons I've learned on my bike and a lot of the perseverance that I've gained and just trust in my capabilities and just kind of learning to face something that is really terrifying um, kind of head on and like break it down into little pieces, like just how I teach mountain biking and how I've learned mountain biking. I applied that same kind of process to quitting my job and opening my business. And I don't know that I would have, like, I don't know if the pre mountain biker Angie would have grown into a person that would have done this. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally <laughs> agree. It's, you, there's a lot of parallels through there. Um, and that may be for another, another topic of conversation for another time. But today we wanted to talk about some beginner tips. There's a ton of new beginner mountain bikers here in the, in the group. And I thought it would be great to have Angie in here to talk about some tips. We're also gonna be mentioning one of the things that she talks and tells herself on the trail. And then there's a couple questions I have on my list that some of the ladies asked about in the post. So yeah, Angie, tell us a little bit for all the beginner mountain bikers and I'm sure Pretty much any time when you go back to the beginning, whenever you look at stuff, you can always relearn things and always hash them out and learn things better. So what are three top tips that you would recommend for the new mountain bikers in the group? Yeah, I love this. I love this idea of coming up with three tips because as a somewhat long-winded person, I definitely like to talk. <laughs> I could have <laughs> easily made a top 100 list of tips, right? Like easily, like <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah having to narrow it down to three was a bit of a challenge but one that I really liked so thanks for that great question Liz um I've spent a bit of time thinking about it and there is some sort of overlying themes to a lot of what I teach all mountain bikers regardless if you're a beginner or not and so I thought oh that could be a good framework for giving three tips to mountain bikers um, so the number one tip or the number one overarching theme in a lot of the skills and stuff I teach is balance. So number one, if you're, if you're making notes at home, you can write these down. Number one is balance. And if you think about balancing on the bike, like that's your ultimate goal, right? Like that's what you're practicing when you're practicing your skills. That's what you're working on mastering. Um, a lot of you out there who are new to the sport have hopefully have a friend of some sort or relative who's kind of taking you under your wing to get you interested in it. They've probably given you some really great tips that are all rooted in this idea of balance, right? I'm sure most of you have heard level pedals, right? That's a really common thing we tell beginners. You don't want to just stand on one pedal and have it close to the ground while the other one's up in the air. You want to balance between the two pedals. Um, you want to be balanced forward and aft, right? So if your bike's rolling down something steep, you get your butt back, right? A lot of tips are like butt back to go downhill go down something steep or roll down something steep. Essentially, that's you balancing on the bike at that extreme angle. So I like to think of it as your number one job as a mountain biker is to find balance on your bike while it's moving through undulating terrain. So I know you interviewed Lindsay Richter on here. She probably said boob to, boob to the bars or whatever. Yeah, that's a great tip for climbing because it gets your weight forward, which makes you balanced on the bike when it's at that angle. If you stay seated, 
on a bike going uphill, you kind of pull it backwards and you're sort of off balance, right? Mm -hmm. So um, find balance, you know, those tips that you've been given. And sometimes it does seem overwhelming. I know as a beginner for me, everybody I rode with had a new tip or pointer or trick to give me. And it just, your brain starts trying to remember all the things you were told. And you're like, gosh, there's so much to remember to mountain biking. And there is, it's a very technical sport. Um, however, a lot of those tips are all rooted in having you just be optimally balanced on your bike. And um, if that sounds a little confusing, like, I don't know if I'm balanced, or I don't know if I've ever found balance on my bike, or I've never heard that term used before. Um, I would say, this is my little plug here. Beginners, take a lesson. <laughs> Completely. So that was my number one balance is like, yeah, a mountain bike skills lesson is going to break down every skill into the little micro components. And a lot of those little micro components are all based on balance. So as a coach, I love to even do these static holds where I help my um, students find a balance point in a static setting. So if they're not really finding balance when they're going down something steep, I'll put their rear wheel up on like a picnic table or something and hold their bike, have them climb on. It sounds scary, but no, it's perfect. People trust me. I do it a lot. I got, I got my jam now. My, my, I'll talk you through it, but I hold their bike in that downhill position and then allow them to figure out little micro movements to get balanced. And then they feel it. And that's the first step, right? As you're learning new skills, it really helps to feel it at least once and you know what to replicate and to build muscle memory around. So Number one is balance. And if you struggle with figuring that out, take a lesson. Yeah. Yes, I completely agree with that. I think I was just going to kind of segue before you went into number two. Um, balance is huge. I talk about it even with exercises too. And that if people are only doing trainer rides, they're not getting that balance point. And that doing like a core and balance training on top of that, because that's one of the biggest differences between road biking and mountain biking. Is that you have to have that balance. You have to have that forward and back, that side to side movement. You have to be rotationally sound. And if you are only doing like trainer rides, you're not feeling that difference. And so that's making sure whenever you are putting in some other miles in, especially now, because stuff's closed down, you can't get out. But definitely take a skills clinic. It's like one of the best things that you guys can do for yourselves. And it's freaking awesome to get out there with a lot of other women and a lot of other people that are all in your same level. Because a lot of times whenever you're starting out, everybody else is above you and you're like, what happened to everybody? Why is everybody up there? Did I go the wrong way? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just really helpful to have other people around and going through the same struggles, the same challenges and similar things that you are. So yeah, totally Totally agree. All right, Angie, what's number two? For sure. I'm glad you chimed in with that too, actually, because I made a note to say, I love your videos, Liv, because you really do drive home how important it is to build balance off the bike. And something I tell my students a lot is, um, yeah, there's so much to just getting on your bike that will improve your riding, but there's so much you can do off the bike, especially times like now, right? We're in the middle of the COVID pandemic. A lot of people are staying home. There's so much you can do in at your home to increase your core strength and balance that doesn't even have to be on a bike. 
and it'll you'll certainly notice it on the bike so yeah yoga a lot of those balance drills i have an indo yes. board you know the little balance board i love that thing yes i have i have eight <laughs> eight at pretty hardcore <laughs> idea for you this is kind of how my brain works sorry <laughs> you know like um you're doing like row exercises and stuff i'm sure you're teaching a lot of stuff about engaging back muscles and getting um ladies using the proper muscle groups to lift their wheels off the ground what if you did like an indo board strength training routine all focused around mountain bike oh, oh my gosh i would probably have to take like three or four different takes of it for me not falling off <laughs> Oh, but definitely, uh, the idea has been planted. All right, cool. <laughs> Make sure you tag me in that one when you post it. <laughs> I will. You're like, Angie, this is for you. <laughs> um, oh, all right, gosh. you guys ready for number two or do you have any questions from number one? We have a lot of ladies saying that skills clinics are so much fun, totally worth it. Um, ladies from Nova Scotia on here, Massachusetts wants to do, uh, some clinics whenever things open back up. Um, Jane said that balance is key. Um, the ladies rides, they talk about it a lot, struggling and doing some slow speed stuff. Mm -hmm. Freaking love it. Oh yeah. Track stands. You'll, you'll hear a lot about, um, a lot of people's favorite skill to work on is track stands. And there's a lot of people working on the track stands right now while they can't ride. Um, I mean, I could spend the whole 30 minutes talking about track stands alone, uh, but there's also already amazing YouTube videos out there. So, um, yeah, if you're like, how do I improve my balance on the bike, not just off the bike, right? Liz has you covered for off the bike balance work, but on the bike balance work, Google how to do a track stand. And it's probably one of the most underrated skills in mountain biking. I use it all the time, especially when I'm riding trails that I'm unfamiliar with, which a lot of you beginners can probably relate to. You're on a trail you've never seen before you come up to something and sometimes you need a second to like scope it out and pick your line and you're you can do that in a track stand and just be ready to roll it and ride it without having to step off and back on again and back up to get momentum and all the things so um i would say track stands definitely will improve your ride and that is balancing your bike when it's staying still you're not moving so ultimate balance drill i've definitely been working a lot on mine out in the yard how are they coming along they're doing good. I'm trying to work on doing some front wheel compression to bouncing over a stick. <laughs> Ooh, I was going to say, if your track stands start getting boring, right? A lot of people catch on to the track stands. Next thing they know, they're holding a track stand for like a minute or two. And they're like, like, you could just be in this track stand all day. So um, I love challenging folks who are getting good at track stands to try opposite stance track stands. Yes. So everyone has a comfortable foot forward that they ride with. If you didn't know that as a beginner, um, yeah, everybody kind of has a preferred stance, right foot forward, left foot forward. It doesn't really matter what foot you ride forward. If you haven't figured out what's comfortable yet, try riding a piece of trail or something and um, at the end of it, look down and see what foot you have forward. But um, yeah, like I'm, I, I ride left foot forward and I can track stand like that forever. And now I'm working on my right foot forward track stands and it's like learning track stands again. It's really- say, It's like beginning again. <laughs> Definitely. I love it. So practice your track stands. Let's see some posts of you guys practice them. Harmony was just out there practicing hers. Yeah, girl. Yeah. I love it. 
Yeah, Shanna Banana is really good at trap stands. I know she's tuned in right now. <laughs> Who is? Shanna. You said oh, Shanna. yeah. Shanna's awesome at trap stands. Yeah. Um, all right, number two. Anticipation. Balance is number one. Anticipation is number two. And what I mean by anticipation, um, I think this is also rooted in a lot of tips that you commonly hear beginners um, are given. Look ahead, eyes forward, right? Um, that's a big one. That's your brain can process so much of what's to come if you give it time to. So looking ahead really helps with that. Um, you probably have heard to keep your fingers on your brake levers or hopefully you've heard that, right? That's a big safety thing. It's not that you're anticipating having to slam on your brakes. It's just that, um, yeah, if you don't have to move your fingers to get on your levers, then you're going to brake a lot quicker. You're going to feel a lot more in control. It's just going to make everything a lot more efficient when it comes to slowing and stopping your bike which is huge, right? If you don't have control over your speed, you're terrified, or at least I would be. Some people maybe aren't terrified with no control, but not my game. <laughs> I want control. So um, anticipation, you know, resting your fingers on the brake levers, looking ahead. Um, a lot of technical moves have a wind up to them. So you come upon that root or rock on trail, you should do a front wheel lift over it, but you don't just lift your wheel with by throwing your weight back or tugging as hard as possible, there's a wind-up move. It's called the preload. Yeah, you go down before you pull up. So you're loading to lift. That's anticipating that I need to lift my wheel for that route. So I'm gonna load and lift up and over it, right? So if you're struggling to execute something on trail, you're, you're having a hard time riding a section, or maybe um, you know, you're working on the skills in the yard and things aren't coming together. Chances are that your hangups are rooted in either you being off balance or you're not anticipating or winding up properly for the move itself. Um, such, so, a, such a good thing to think about and like to have it as in the brain. Um, whenever I took my Pimba level one skills, it was basic, like one of the things that rooted in me is that I wasn't looking and chucking back in and forth as much mm -hmm. I would get pinned in either to forward or pinned in either to down and changing that and being like all right let's get it together <laughs> yeah yeah a common one is like scanning the trail now and next now and next right like you're allowed to look you don't have to be like fixed ahead and never look at what's in front of you you just don't want to fixate on what's in front of you and I love to joke when people are lifting, are, when they are practicing wheel lifts and stuff, and they're looking straight at their wheel, I love to joke, like, you'll know if it lifts off the ground. You don't need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll feel it, I promise. Um, and a little side note I have in anticipation, I was talking about fingers on the brake levers. I think such a crucial message to get through to beginners is spend some time setting up the cockpit of your bike for you. So... Um, a, a lot of us ladies out there have smaller hands. Um, I started mountain biking in a day and age when brake levers weren't adjustable. They were just set up for man hands. And I actually learned to brake with my middle fingers because it was the longest finger that could reach the lever. And then, um, you know, you, then you sometimes pinch your index finger. Um, Liz, you probably know this, that when that middle finger moves, your ring finger moves too, because they share a nerve in your hand, right? So it's really hard to isolate these two fingers. So if you're braking with two fingers or using that middle finger on the brake at all, can you guys see that? You're actually, when you let off the brakes, you're letting off your grip slightly too. So these fingers really want to stick together on the handlebar, on the grip, 
and you should be single finger braking. And if it seems like you can't pull enough to, your, to stop your bike with just a single finger on there, um, check in with where your finger lines up. If it's kind of squeezing the middle of the lever, um, you need to move your levers in towards the stem or the center of the handlebar so that when you rest your hand where it want, you want it to be on the grips, your index finger rests right in that little nook. There's like a sweet little pocket at the end of the brake lever for your index finger. Yeah, looks just like Liz was demonstrating. Um, I know, which had my brake lever here. I get to show you. It just um, blew it up right here. <laughs> But yeah, lining the brakes up, and that's probably honestly one of the most common things I do as a coach when I'm working with newer riders. Honestly, I've, I've experienced this with all level riders. One of the first things I do um, in a lesson is we go through a safety check, and I check that their fingers line up to their brake levers. And sometimes it's just a small adjustment, it's not much, but it gets that finger in the right spot that they can rest it on the lever, pull it when they need to, and get all the traction and stopping power that they need from that brake lever. Um, so yeah, it's a very common adjustment I end up making is um, the angle of the lever and the position of the lever to match your hand. And then um, nicer, newer brakes have a little dial on them where you can bring the lever in or out so its starting point can line up better with your finger. So I know that was a lot about braking stuff, but it really kind of is wrapped into my tip number two for beginners, which is anticipate. Anticipate that the dude at the bike shop probably didn't set your bike up perfectly for you and you're going to need to make some adjustments. <laughs> No, I think it's a really important thing. I, um, there was a surge of beginners in here in the group, I think it was last fall and breaking was definitely, and this is before I was certified. And so before I felt comfortable talking about some of these things and I was like, man, I need someone to talk about breaking. This is not good right now. Oh yeah, <laughs> sorry gonna... if you already had an interview on this whole subject. <laughs> right. I think we can break down a lot of these things into their entire entirety within it. Um, one of the ladies asked about timing for doing the front wheel lift. If you have any suggestions or tips on getting their timing right for that as just a quick in, yeah. insert here. Yeah, I love that because I always say just like in life in mountain biking, timing is everything. <laughs> so good on you for being for thinking ahead about that and for, um, you know, trying to um, tackle that component of wheel lifts. So one of the skills I like to set up for my um, students is some kind of timing uh, mechanism. So something that requires you to have good timing. Learning the, the execution of the drill, learning how to load and lift is the first part to tackle. Once you start to get the hang of it and you can lift your front wheel on demand, put something small down, a, a branch or a can out of your recycling bin, a piece of clothing. I use cones. I know a lot of coaches that use rubber ducks or rubber chickens or whatever. Um, <laughs> put something on the ground. Uh, that you can practice your timing over. And it's, it's common that um, people tend to lift too late. So you get, your front wheel gets up to the obstacle and then they try to load and lift and it's too late. So if you're running into the obstacle and not lifting over it, try loading a little bit earlier. Going slow actually really helps you nail your timing down. And if you can do the load and lift and clear it slow, then you can start to add speed and see how fast you can go and still get your timing right. Because the number one thing that affects timing is speed, right? That's the number one variable. The faster you're going, the sooner you gotta lift, load and lift, because the sooner that root or rock or rubber chicken is gonna be um, you know, at your front wheel. So yeah, setting something up in a safe area to work out the timing. And if you're not quite sure if you're early or late, 
set up your cell phone camera, film it, film your wheel. You don't need to get your whole body right. Like just watch the wheel. Is it ramming into it before it lifts? Or are you lifting and setting your wheel down on top of it? And then you can kind of figure out, are you early or late and make little micro adjustments from there. And uh, yeah, and then mix up the speed that you're traveling because that'll affect timing too. So if you think you got it nailed, challenge yourself to different speeds, maybe different size obstacles to lift your wheel over because also the size of effort or the size of wheel lift you do can affect your timing, just like speed. So yeah, um, sometimes even when I'm just on a fire road or kind of a, I'm just climbing along or cruising along, head into the trailhead, whatever, I'll just pick an obscure item on the road, a pine cone or a rock or a stick or something that I just ride up, a, I'm gonna ride over anyway and I'm not gonna feel it. I'll just practice the timing of a wheel lift over something like that. Definitely, that's what I do a lot. The last really big wreck I had was when I was bunny hopping on a gravel road. I just was doing a gravel road, just a, just a gravel road, road like ride. And I was like, yeah, yeah bunny hop. I was doing great. It was like the 10th to 15th bunny hop that day. <laughs> I just did messed up. <laughs> you know what went wrong? I do. It was a so it was really wet outside, which is why I was on gravel. And I had been clearing all of them ahead without actually touching the logs or the other sticks. And in my brain, I was like, you know what? I've been somebody told me like if I can bump my front wheel on it, then I can actually get a little bit more oomph. I was like, I'll try it. And I was like, cause it's pretty true, but not wet logs. <laughs> if I'm hitting them at an angle and they're angled on the gravel road. <laughs> it's all about the angle. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that technique you're talking about, we call that a bump jump. And that's yeah. kind of using a feature to get more lift out of your bunny hop. Awesome skill to be working on, good for you. Um, I do that on wet roots all the time, honestly. I bet there was some combo of timing or pressure shift or weight shift or something that was off. Um, one of the common ways I see people crash in bunny hops actually is that they get the bike up and then they come down super nose heavy. The, the real goal of a bunny hop is to front wheel comes up first and then both wheels land together. So if you're bunny hopping on flat ground and notice that you're landing on the front wheel really hard before the rear, and you're not really paying attention. You're like, I want this bunny hop to be bigger and sicker and yeah. And then you just full force come down on your front wheel. It can cause a crash too. So that's why I asked how you crashed your bunny hop. I was like, nope, not like that. Okay. Just, right. just bump hit, hit the wetness and at, at an angle. Bye. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you're okay. <laughs> Good to go. Just a little gravel rash. <laughs> <laughs> all right so we had balance is number one for for top tips and we had anticipation is number two mm -hmm. what's our number three angie number three actually you're you saying how you crashed on your bunny hop it's a good segue into this because number three is patience <laughs> learning is a very arduous process it doesn't come easy mountain biking is a very technical sport it's inherently dangerous right? If you aren't patient with yourself and your progressions, or if you let a setback, like, you know, Liz, you're like, ah, I crashed on a gravel road of all things, trying this bunny hop, right? If you let that kind of build a wall in your mind of like, I'm not, I can't bunny hop now, or I can't bump jump, or I can't jump wet roots or whatever. If you kind of let that kind of run your, um, run, you know, take over your mindset, then yeah, you're not going to be able to, 
if you think of it that way, right? So I think of patience as being such a crucial part, not only to beginners, but for all level of mountain bikers, like it's, it takes time and persistence and, you know, some grit to really progress on your bike. And it's easy to get frustrated, especially if you have a little bit of a competitive edge, maybe you've even been a road racer or a cyclocross racer. And so you excel at one aspect of biking and you just want to excel at the other forms of biking, right? But um, yeah, there is no magic switch. There's no um, fast track to learning how to mountain bike. It really just takes patience and persistence. And, you know, there's gonna be setbacks. And I think as long as you just don't let that um, overwhelm you or get in the way and just chalk it up to like, we've all been there. It's part of the learning process. And, um, and one of the common tips I hear beginners um, or people give beginners is find a buddy to ride with that will show you the ropes. And yeah, like having a patient friend take you out and take you under their wing um, is so helpful for new riders. So and whether you're a new mountain biker or an experienced mountain biker, anywhere in between, you can be that patient friend for somebody as well. So that's why number three is patience is because it's got, there's so many aspects to being patient that can really serve your mountain biking and make it a better experience. So um, yeah, be patient with yourself, be patient with others, um, you know, and I kind of like to think about uh, how balance, anticipation, and patience are not only three tips that will really strengthen your mountain biking, but there are three things that if you can incorporate into life in general, um, you will see improvement. Yep. Most definitely. I tell people the same thing for learning, gaining strength. Like it just takes some time. Sometimes there's certain things that you can do that'll make it faster, which is great. Mm -hmm. And then there's certain ways that you can do that'll make it a little bit longer to get there. Yep. And it, you same things for learning skills. Like there's a faster route and a slower route. <laughs> yep. So and good habits and bad. And different skills can take different amounts of time for different people, right? I see um, students all the time that they get their front wheel lift right away and then struggle with their rear wheel lift. And then the other rider was nailing the rear wheel lift, but couldn't get the front wheel lift, right? Like um, popping wheelies comes really easy for some people and uh, harder for others. Some people don't learn the wheelie pop, right? You've talked about that, like that pedal punch wheel lift. Some people learn that as their only way to lift their front wheel. So they got that right away. And it's a skill they use often, but maybe they never learned a basic wheel lift where they're coasting and load and lift the bike without using the pedals, right? So it totally depends on just like what your background is, what your athleticism is, what tips you've been told oh, and yeah. were you ready to hear them or not, right? Like Dude. I think a, a lot of stuff we get told and it's like, okay, yeah, 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 that makes sense. But if you're not to that point in your progression where you're ready to hear that, it doesn't really sink in all the time. So I've noticed a lot of repeat students where I've said the exact same coaching spiel to them you know, and it's on the second or third time where they're like, oh, that was what I needed to hear. That blew my mind. I'm like, I've said that to you before. And it's just, they weren't at a place to actually hear it. And so, um, yeah, yeah. Patience. Mm. Yeah. I have people, they, uh, they go back and they look at some of our, some of my videos that I've done. Like, they're like, oh, I, d I never heard that before. I'm like, I know it's the same video. It's the same one that was there, but I just, I never heard that part of it. Like it never just clicked in my brain. I only heard these parts. Yeah. So my videos are so great. You can go back and watch them again, get more totally. things out of it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Re-input into the brain. 
I awesome. love it when my I love when my students film me teaching because they're like, I'm gonna want to watch this later. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Angie, those are freaking amazing tips and they cover such a wide basis. You I know? told you. <laughs> like such a wide basis. I freaking love it. So balance, making sure that you're balancing the bike. I think balance also, I'm going to just veer it off a little bit of balance of your mind. Totally. Mm -hmm. Like balance of what you want to accomplish, balance of what you are trying to do, balance of life. I think a lot of us right now, especially are trying to balance life. We're trying to figure out what the hell we're supposed to be doing, what we're like, it's just confusing. Trying to be open, trying to be welcoming, trying to be like all of it. And it's hard. So if anybody out there struggling, I feel for you. I understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So balance within that. And then anticipation, also fantastic. Timing, I think it's a huge part, knowing what's ahead, thinking about what's ahead, not just what's right at your front wheel. (laughs) And patience is huge. I love it. So Angie, we're going to talk a little bit. I asked you to think about what you tell yourself. What do you tell yourself when you're out there riding or what are you working on right now? Yeah, I love it. Liz, when you asked me that, I was thinking about, it. I was like, what do I tell myself? You, I think you worded it. What do you tell yourself to push yourself? Or what do you say? What do you think to push yourself or something like that? Right. And I was like, do I really push myself? <laughs> <laughs> I on to be honest, I go pretty easy on Angie. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to have it in your heart that you're easy on yourself too, though. (laughs) Um, but when it comes to like, okay, if I really got to wrap my brain around something, um, it's usually climbing. I would say that's my weakness. Um, I can ride technical, break down the skills. That's my jam. I love it. Um, but sometimes climbing, especially when I'm riding with my boyfriend or like Shanna or riders that can just crush me uphill. They're so strong. Um, a lot of times, um, my mantra is just keep spinning, just keep spinning like a little Dorian finding Nemo, right? If that song doesn't give me enough fire, I start singing, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. (laughs) (laughs) The last time, I, the last time I was out, I was time I was climbing my like goal section that I wanted to make, and it was like my fifth time going out there and riding that section. I made it, and for some reason, I had in my head, "Take me home, country roads." <laughs> and it's just that part again. <laughs> A funny song I've had in my head for technical stuff or like big climbs is Tina Turner. I think the team, what's love got to do? <laughs> Whatever can distract your brain or help relax you, you know, like, or make light of a situation, right? If you're in the pain cave suffering, like try not to think about how much pain you're in and how, you know, it's easy to get caught up in like, oh, I'm so out of shape right now. Why don't I go on that? Why haven't I been running or doing this or that? Or like riding enough, right? You can kind of be hard on yourself and that's not serving you at all. I mean, it's good to analyze and, you know, have some personal progress, but honestly, like, yeah, if you're out there riding with people who are faster than you, they're just, they're just going to go uphill faster than you. There's no way around it. So you just try and make it your own ride and talk Mm -hmm. yourself through it. And that's why I love just keep spinning, just keep spinning. It's sort of that just like, 
I'm just out here and this is what I'm doing right now is I'm just turning the pedals over and I'll get to the top eventually and I'm not going to die. <laughs> I, I know, definitely, for um, sure. Yeah, for sure. and um, you know, so when I was thinking of my answer for this, Liz, I thought of those little songs and like how we could, I could crack a joke about how I don't really, I don't really push myself. Um, and it made me, it kind of brought me back to another useful thing that I love for beginners to hear. Uh, not even just beginners. I shouldn't even say that. Honestly, I think this is great for any rider when you're faced with um, something that you want to challenge yourself with, right? So there's that big rock roll on your local trail that you've been wanting to hit or all your friends are riding it and they're telling you you can do it, but you just aren't sure yet um, or you're scared, right? There's there's some hang up or like you have that, um, there's a section of climb that you're like really determined to clear one day, right? So um, I have a four-step program in progressing, okay? Angie's four-step program for progression. And um, it's real simple. The first thing you need to do when you're facing that obstacle is can you visualize success, right? If I look at that rock roll or that big technical climb, if I can kind of wrap my brain around the actual act of doing it, like how's it going to feel? What's it going to look like? What am I going to do with my bike? What am I going to do with my body? Am I going to run out of, you know, is there going to run out at the end and I can just visualize myself making it through to the end? Maybe I need to watch people do it a bunch of times so I can actually visualize success. If you can visualize the success, that's a good starting point. If you look at that feature and all you see is everything that can go wrong and you, your heart races and you tense up, like that is a tall tale sign that you're not ready to ride that feature yet. So if you can visualize success, do that. And actually by visualizing success, you're practicing. Your brain running through the steps of executing it is a form of practice. Professional dancers do it. Athletes of all kinds do it where they run through a routine or a play in their mind because the studies show that that is literally their brains practicing the act and they're building memory around that. So you can visualize success you can play it over in your head, working out correctly. You're essentially practicing it. That's a good place to be. So that's step one. If you can visualize success. The next step is take a deep breath. <laughs> I talked to, I talked about this in like one of my other videos about fear, mm -hmm. expectation, visualizing success, deep oh. breath. I'm excited to hear what the other two are, see if they match yeah. up. Yeah. Um, okay. Visualize success. Take a deep breath. Smile. Because mountain biking's fun, right? Even if you're facing a challenge, yes. like, it's fun. It should be fun. And if you can't smile through it, um, chances are you're like too tense or you're just not ready. And and by and if you're like, I don't feel like smiling, but Angie said step three is to smile. Like sometimes forcing that smile can actually release endorphins and calm your mind down and remind you that this is fun. So um, yeah, visualize success, take a deep breath, smile. And step four is do the thing just do it. You know what to do. You've prepped your mind and body to do it. Execute it. Don't hesitate. Don't get halfway through and choke and pull out, right? Like that's when people really get hurt is when they hesitate or they don't fully commit to something. So um, yeah, that's Angie's four-step program for progression. It's just visualize success, take a deep breath, smile, get her done. I love it. I love it. It's really funny how many, how many of those match up with mine. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't have to get her done on the end of it. <laughs> That's the most important part. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. People love this. Just this quick side note. People love the songs that we sing in our heads. 
<laughs> um, good reminders to get the chicken back out, practice the front wheel lifts. Um, love it. Smiling is a real thing. It really helps. Nell says, uh, Nell's one of my friends who whitewater kayaks with me. And I used to be a whitewater kayak instructor. And I would make people smile as they were going down rapids. And they would say, shit, smile, shit, smile, shit, smile. People are like, Angie, in all your photos, you're smiling on your bike. I'm like, yeah, because I love riding my bike. I'm literally having the best time always. Because it's so much fun. Hot, you can smile. And actually, you might start to have a good time by force. Force good times. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> all right. There's two questions to answer or that they somebody asked some questions about. Um, what are some keys, key points, or main ideas for hitting off-camber routes? Oh, okay. She slows down too much, and then it doesn't help her out. Yeah, yeah. Off-camber routes are tricky. So if you don't know what she means by off-camber route, it's like um, if you're on the trail bed and a route goes across the trail, either at an angle or like at a slope, right? Like if you were to just hit the wheel, hit the route with your wheel, it might slide down or sideways off the trail. So basically, it's a route that you can't really square up and hit at a ninety degree. I would say that's probably what she means by off-camera route, right? Um, yeah, I think, again, that really comes down to um, wheel lifts. So if you come up to a route that is at an angle on the trail, if you just kind of ram it with your wheel, you're going to go in the direction the route is pointing you. If you can load and lift or like unweight your wheel up and over the route, um, it's going to have much less effect on your direction. So you're controlling, you're the captain of that ship. That's another one of my common sayings, own that ship. <laughs> so if you put that front wheel up and over the route, um, you're gonna hold that line. And then maybe your rear wheel hits it. Your rear wheel sliding on a route isn't quite as scary or detrimental as your front wheel sliding on it. So sometimes you can kind of live with the rear wheel moving a little and then it gets up and over, or you can also kind of unweight or lift your rear wheel up and over the route, depending on the size. I would say my number one tip for that is find smaller off-camber routes that aren't as intimidating to you and practice your timing there and start to build your confidence and then approach bigger routes. I think um, a real common misconception that people get in their minds when it comes to tackling routes and rocks on trail is that they need speed and like speed is their friend. So they just like ram their wheel into it as hard as they can. And sometimes that works, right? You you hit it hard enough and it's low enough to the ground, your wheel will kind of bump, bounce right up and over it. But it doesn't feel very controlled. It doesn't look that good. It doesn't really help you if the roots are wet or off camber. You could, they could really still um, move your wheel. And if the obstacle is big, like taller than your axles or bottom bracket, uh, ramming into it is just going to flip you over the bars, right? It's not going to work. So, well, yeah, you do need some speed to clear stuff. I think it's all about finesse and just practicing that timing and learning. Um, I love, we, we call it aggressive finesse. So you're not just kind of in the back seat, letting your bike flow, but you're like up there and you're putting it where you want it. You're putting that front wheel where you want it. You're in control. And um, yeah, the, the best way to really improve your control on the bike is um, practicing your skills and doing that stuff in a low consequence setting. Once you start to nail it there and you really start to nail your timing there, you're gonna feel a lot better taking it to the trail and then taking it to those off-camber routes. Most definitely, completely agreed. And then the last question of the day is rock gardens and how to keep looking forward and not just down at your front wheel. It's a tough one, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, rock gardens are some of my favorite. I love it, um, especially out on the East Coast. You guys get some rock gardens that just keep going and going and going. So maybe you'll yes. enter the rock garden with all this speed and you're like, yeah, 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 I'm getting through, I'm getting through, I'm getting through, I'm getting through. Oh, things are slowing down. I'm starting to bog down and then your front wheel gets stuck somewhere, right? So um, yeah, I mean, looking ahead is usually one of my tips for um, getting through that rock garden. And if you're struggling to look ahead through the rock garden, it might be helpful. Maybe if you have a friend or someone kind of stand on the other end of it or somebody you can follow through the line. Like I find getting, we call it a toe in, right? When an, another rider that can make it through an obstacle toes you in and you get to follow <clears> their <throat> wheel. That really helps you keep your eyes up because you're watching their line. And so it's almost like a way to trick your brain to look ahead more. If you're really close to their wheel, you might even try looking in front of their front wheel to be looking ahead far enough. Um, but yeah, having someone out there or someone just kind of shout someone at the end of the rock garden, like, look at me, look up here, right? Like that can kind of help you if you're really struggling at the end. get your eyes up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, when you get into the rock garden and you start to bog down a little bit, start to look at, um, pick your path and your line through it, you can kind of start to make some decisions. And then there's this technique called ratcheting where it's essentially getting forward momentum when you don't have the time or space to make the full pedal stroke. You kind of ratchet your pedals and that's giving you these little bursts of forward momentum. I find that in those really long rock gardens out east, if you can get into it, you get some wheel lifts going and you start to slow down, maybe you just need to kind of ratchet to keep that momentum going without smashing your pedals on the rocks by making full pedal strokes. Does that make sense? Yeah. I. I think it does really well. We'll see if Stephanie, Stephanie is the one that asked that question. So she'll probably pop on a little bit later on. I don't see, I don't think I see her on here right now, Okay. but um, hopefully that makes sense to her. And definitely as ratcheting, it helps a ton out east <laughs> for those things. Yeah. I like to say, if you're not, you don't have to ratchet, but if you don't, then you're probably riding like a hack and just smacking your pedals into things. So the rat, the ratcheting is a skill that definitely adds to your aggressive finesse on the trail. I love it. I love it, Angie. Fantastic. All right, ladies, thank you so much for coming on here with us. Thank you guys so much. And thank you, Angie. I really appreciate you coming on here. Where can they find you? Where can they get some more information from you? Do you have a YouTube channel? Do you, are you on social media, other places? Tell me all the goods. All right. Well, uh, my website is www radicalrootsntb.com. So radical spelled out R-A-D-I-C-A-L, like radical, rootsmtb.com. Uh, that's also my Instagram handle, radicalrootsmtb. And I'm also on Instagram as myself, just Angie Weston, or Angie.Weston, and Angie's a four-letter word, A-N-G-I dot Weston. Um, Instagram, same Facebook handles, Angie Weston and Radical Roots MTB. Uh, I'm most active, I would say, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, my website is, uh, you know, where you can find bios and information about my events that I put on, um, services that we offer through Radical Roots. We have a junior development team, too. So if any of you listening know any 10 to 14-year-old girls, um, we're, uh, the Radical Rippers team is our little junior development team here out of Bellingham. And um, it can be a great place for some inspiration, or if you know anyone in the Northwest that needs a spot for their girls to ride, that's a great place too, the Radical Rippers. Um, yeah, uh, email, I'm just Angie, A-N-G-I, at RadicalRootsMTB.com, and I would be happy to answer any emails or um, give you any inspiration to any of your listeners or followers, because um, 
yeah, just like you, Liz, I love the opportunity to build our community, especially female mountain bikers. And it's one of my biggest missions in life is to just get more people riding and loving bikes, especially women and girls. So um, yeah, check me out online, check me out on Instagram. That's where I spend the most time. I like pictures. <laughs> I love it, girl. I love it. Well, I hope if you guys have any more questions for Angie, you can comment them here or reach out to her directly and definitely take a skills clinic. So much love for that and so much good community for it. Thank you so much, Angie. Oh, thanks, thank everybody. You, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Hope to see you on the trail soon. Bye. Well, that wraps up another episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe and also check out the Mountain Biking Ladies Facebook group. Hope you have a wonderful day.